Welcome to the Therapist on Fire podcast, where I interview leaders in allied healthcare, entrepreneurs, and those on the path to financial independence. Welcome to the Therapist on Fire podcast. I'm here with Will Crane. He's a physical therapist, and he's going to be sharing all the cool tips and tools on how to pass the PT exam because he has an awesome business called PT Final Exam. Welcome, Will. I'm glad to have you here and share all your tips about therapist passing this horrible exam. Oh, I remember I remember when I had to take it, I was freaking out. So hopefully you can help some poor soon-to-be grads with how to take this test. Well, I'm happy to be here. It's, it's fun. You and I did a podcast last week. It was just last week. It seems like it was just the other day. Did a podcast. Super fun to talk to you. I'm excited to talk again, talk shop and, and see how we can help your listeners best. Yes. Well, let's get started first, though, before we go into the, the tips is how did you even come up with the idea for PT final exam? So great question. I, it started back in 2012. And so we're recording this 2018. It's been a little bit over six years from our official start date. But it really all started back when I graduated from PT school in 11. And I came out and I remember feeling like the NPT was a frustrating event for me. I mean, I did okay. I passed on my first attempt. But I remember feeling a lot of stress and anxiety around it just because I, and this is on me, I didn't take the time to look up, you know, the FSBPT's content outline or the candidate handbook or read through all the sections in, I had the score builders review guide. I didn't read through all the sections about the mechanics of the exam. I just took practice tests and I knew the content fairly well, but I felt a lot of stress because I, I just, I hadn't spent the time to understand how the exam exactly worked. And so fast forward a little bit, it really all kind of came together when I was working at a, at a local hospital here and, and loved the job, loved the people I was working with, but I was trying to, to how to, how to describe this? I wanted to see the fruits of my labors, meaning that when I worked harder and increased the size of the pie, I wanted to see an increase, commensurate increase in my income, see some monetary rewards. I wanted them to say thank you with, with little, you know, <laughs> little dollar signs at the end. Pieces of paper with Washington, George Washington on this sort of a thing. I wanted, I don't know. I just wanted to be a part of, part of my own success. And I guess, I think a lot of people share that, that entrepreneurial spirit where they want to work hard and be reimbursed for all of that extra hard work rather than the opposite to feel like you're just punching the clock to work for the man, you know, clock in, clock out, you come home and no matter how hard you work that, I mean, and this is, this is an exaggeration. Don't get me wrong, but I understand that some people, <laughs> you don't, you can't always keep a job if you don't work sort of a thing. But idea being that you, if you just bust your butt and you're doing crazy amounts of work, you're still getting paid the same amount at the end of the day. And you're just like, ah, you know, man, that's lame. And so I was in discussions with our hospital and our CEO is great. He, he was trying to find a way to make it work. And finally, at the end of all of our discussions, it took about six months. The final word was, Will, we just can't do that. You, we pay you an hourly rate. You should be happy with your hourly rate. You know, just punch the clock and keep going. And man, that was, looking back, that was the best thing that ever happened to me to have, have him say no on this. And I understand, I totally understand his, his side of the story. He had a business to run. That was, that was his prerogative to do so. So, take that, all that pent up energy I had. It's like, oh man, I just, I feel the itch. I need to, I, I want to see the fruits of my labors. I've never really been an entrepreneur before. And I decided, I started listening to podcasts, learning everything I could about, about online business. And I, I decided, well, you know, I know something about physical therapy. And I remember there was a pain, it was a painful moment for me taking the NPTE. And so I sat down and started writing about my NPT experience. I mean, uh, it was silly. I was, I was trying to implement Google ads on the site. I was trying to, I don't know, I, I was trying to about a thousand different things at the same time. And I didn't know, didn't know a thing about what I was doing. And I, I started writing about it. I, I got people kind of coming out of the woodwork and sending me emails and say, Hey, Will, you know, I totally, I, I'm so glad you wrote that because that really helps me, you know, with this, or, you know, I got through the test. I really appreciated your tips and tricks. And and so I was feeling good and the Google ads weren't working. I think, well, I remember the first day I earned 26 cents. That was the first money I made online. It was very exciting. And, you know, that was, that was going to be my future. I was telling my wife, you know, I just think if we could earn like an extra hundred dollars, like we could go out to eat like two or three times <laughs> extra in a year. And that, that'd be the sum total of everything. And um, what happened though is that as I wrote more and more and I, I put up practice questions and I was having lots of fun creating content, uh, people started emailing me and say, Hey, Will, 
you know, you have really good stuff, but where I can't see where to sign up for your course. Like, where is it? It's, it's not on the page. <laughs> like, where's your course? And I, I had enough people email me about, you know, Will, where's your course? I thought, well, maybe I should start a course. And so this is the funniest thing. You'll, you'll laugh and laugh. I, I posted a course, I put together some curriculum and I had a, had a start date and there was, you know, we had a target time. Things were going to just go, in my mind, it was going to go gangbusters and the deadline came and passed and no one signed up for my class. Not a soul. <laughs> it was, it was so disappointing. It was like, oh, all that time and effort. I guess, you know, I guess there's just not, nothing to be done here. And so I kept, kept writing. And like three or four days after the enrollment closed for this class with no one in it, I had my first person reach out to me and say, hey, Will, you know, hey, can I still sign up for your class? I see I missed the deadline. And I played it real cool. This is really funny. I, I played it real cool. Well, the enrollment's passed on that one, but I'll do another one just for you. <laughs> I know, that's so silly. I probably shouldn't even be sharing all this stuff. No, it's just that's so great. silly. It's oh, so silly. And so that was my first, my first class. I had three people in it. We had a fantastic time, you know, a lot of, uh, I shared a lot of my exper expertise and I, I got to kind of cut my teeth in the instructor realm, you know, find out what works, what doesn't work. And so I had three people in the class and I had, then the next time around, people actually signed up in time, like as the word was spreading. Uh, we were talking before we went on air about how Facebook was a great way to disseminate the, the, mm -hmm. the links for the class and PT final exam. And so I, um, I, started posting and the next class we had 12 people in it. I mean, it was, it was amazing. I mean, I was just floored 12 people and it grew by leaps and bounds from that. Every quarter we were increasing and increasing, kept putting out more content, more curriculum. We have a study guide and a workbook. And anyway, it just grew to where it is today. We're, I, I, I guess I wouldn't say I'm a major player in the NPTE preparation game, but I'm a very personable player in the NPTE game. And I know that, that a lot of people, it's, it's interesting to me how many people struggle with the exam, especially on multiple attempts. They have learning disabilities. They have kind of a non-traditional educational route. Like I just had a guy this summer who had a severe learning disability. He took, took PT school over the course of six years instead of three years. And he was on his fourth attempt on the NPT. He didn't know where, where to go. Took my class. We got him through on his next attempt. And I'll tell you what the happiest person on this planet was his sweet little wife and their three little kids. It's like, finally, he's got a job. <laughs> he can get a job in the PT field. And he was so happy too. So happy. He called me up screaming on the phone, super exciting. And so it's stories like that, that I just, I love, love, love helping people get through this exam because it's a painful moment for people when they have troubles getting through. And then we're getting more and more first time for a first attempt test takers coming through PT final exam because the test is getting harder, more and more content is being you know, shoved into the PT programs. Plus the practice itself is evolving to where we have, as practitioners, we're required to know more and be ready for more direct access type material. And so like just in 2018, the, the passing standard increased another four questions. And so wow. this, it's a common theme that we're seeing that there's an increase in standard, increase in content, and more and more people are seeking out help to make sure they pass this exam. Because I'll be honest with you, so this is just, I, I try to point this out to students all the time, that a failed attempt on the NPT is a $20,000 hit. 20,000 bucks. And we're talking, so exam fees, prometric fees, but three months of an income as a physical therapist, down the drain, the opportunity cost is huge. And so my, my uh, flagship program is $499 and to save 20,000 bucks, I've had so many people, so many people who on their second or third attempt email back and say, Will, why didn't I do this the first time? Yeah. Why didn't I do this first time? So if anyone out there is listening, has, you know, struggling with, with test anxiety, learning disabilities, kind of a non-traditional PT route, that's something I really feel like we can help and take a lot of the pain out. So there you go. Maybe that's more of a soapbox than you wanted. About no, no, that's perfect. Jam. And then everyone will is being extremely humble because aren't you the highest like rated and recommended like PT final exam is one of the highest and rated recommended. Am I correct? Well, yes, yes, it's true. I, <laughs> I, I do try to I put that in my emails and, and it, maybe it sounds silly or salesy, but, but no one out there takes really takes real reviews from people like, you'll see a couple of testimonials and testimonials are fine. And, and everyone knows testimonials, you know, a couple of happy people, you know, it's great, you know, uh, great, great. 
I take actual reviews like what, what, you, what you'd expect on Amazon where people have the opportunity to really rate the class. And right now we're up to, I think, 423 five-star reviews and growing by leaps and bounds. If you look yeah. at the date stamps on all those, I mean, they're all within, well, not all of them, but many of them are within the last quarter, within the last month, even within the last week. And no one else really does that. Everyone else puts a couple of testimonials, you know, they put a few smiling faces and, you know, hey, this worked for me, which is, which is fine. Again, totally fine. But I want it to be super transparent and give people the real, it gives me accountability that, you know, if we're doing a bad job, then, then that reflects poorly in those reviews. And so it keeps us on our A game. In fact, all of my, I have about 10 PTs that work for me in various functions and I base their compensation on on the reviews, essentially, that if they're not, you know, busting their butt on, on customer service, answering those emails, making sure that we're, we're delivering a five-star service, then that reflects poorly on the company, reflects poorly on me. And that's ultimately how we keep our jobs is by delivering to the customer. And so that's, we're, we're extremely proud of that. And I hope to, that we get another 423 in the next, next, couple of, uh, next couple of years as we continue to grow and expand. Well, I think those 400 reviews, it's not just because you're asking for reviews. You know, asking for reviews, there are companies that still, after asking, are not having over 400 reviews. It's because you have excellent customer service and you have an excellent product. And so for the entrepreneurs and also for those people that are potentially interested in taking the PT final exam course, can you sort of explain and break down like, what do you do? What do you offer? What's your course like, et cetera? Yeah. So essentially, well, I guess the course structure, I've got two basic packages. One is my independent study course, which is all pre-recorded. It's from a previous live series where we just, we packaged it all up, have all the videos ready and a person can just attack those. It's about 80 hours worth. Attack those as they choose. I've got a couple of payment plans. I've got a monthly subscription. You know, if you want to just grab it for like one month and, and then cancel right away, or I've got a till you pass access, which gives you essentially, a, I, I have, there's a little bit of fine print there that I, I have it for up to two years, but we, I'm pretty flexible on all these things. But the, the idea is that you have an extended length access without any of the monthly charges or whatever. So that's my independent study course. And then the live course, this is the one where we have the most fun because it's, it's done live webinar style. You get to talk with the instructors. You get in, into a private Facebook group where you can interact and really feel like you're part of a community because so many people come through the exam after a failed attempt. This, this happens so often. 99% of the people in their class passed and they're on Facebook, and, you know, woohoo, Instagram, whatever, showing pictures of themselves on the beach, you know, PT, I'm first day on the job. Here's my first paycheck. And then there's the last student, one who didn't pass, and they're not posting anything. And they're, they're just, they're embarrassed. They're, they're upset. They're mad. They're, there's a lot of emotions going through their minds. And so we bring them into the, into the community, which gives them a chance to, to be in a, in a judgment-free zone where everyone's working towards the same goal and, and cheering each other on. And you don't have to worry about, you know, posting to, to your classmates and saying how, yeah, I didn't pass. And everyone else did. And I know, yeah, I don't know. It's, we, our live class is a lot of fun and we, we try to, to really cater to people's needs and that's, we do it uh, via email, Skype, uh, all that jazz. And so that's kind of the basic packages. I think that was, what was the second part yeah. of your question? Well, what makes, what makes you stand out compared to the rest of the, you know, arrest, the rest right. of the people out there okay. that are trying to do similar things? So number, number one, absolutely number one, far away is our customer service. There's, there is no one out there. I mean, some of the programs you look out there and, and in the fine print, the program will say all sales final. And that, I think that should be a big red flag for people. It's like all sales final. Well, I have a 14 day money back satisfaction guarantee, meaning that you get in, you test drive it. If you hate it, give you your money back and send you, you know, have you go find something that's a little bit better fit. Mm -hmm. I, I'm adamant that we, it needs to be a good fit for you and, and well, for you and for us. But the, the idea is that that we want to help as many people as we can, but we only want to have people who want to be there. And so we've got the money back satisfaction guarantee. We have actual reviews. I, I get emails all the time. It's like, Will, I was reading through the, the reviews and it's inspiring what people have overcome to pass this test. And we're all very personable people. We're all practicing still in the field. Uh, we're not out of touch. I mean, I know there, 
yeah, there, there can be some discussion about someone who's recently taken the, the test for someone that's 50 years out from, from the test. You know, so we all have recent history, recent history, recent memory of taking the test and the experience, what that's like. And I think that's what sets us apart that we, we have the most bang for the buck as far as hours of content per dollar, uh, the most, the most transparency when it comes to pricing, when it comes to pass rates, we have an over 90% pass rate for full, full participants, which is, uh, again, I feel like I'm on my soapbox, Emma. I hope you, <laughs> I hope this is what you're after. No, you're doing great. But the, uh, I get, because one of our target demographics are people that struggle with test taking. And so, because a lot of people don't even look up a test prep company until they've had a failed attempt. And so that's our demographic. We have over 50% of our participants are folks who struggle with the test and we get them through it over 90%, which mm. if you look at our target demographic with those pass rates, I, I just don't think you can match them out there. I just mm. don't think you can match them. And so that's, that's why I feel like we're, we're just the world's most awesome way to prepare for the NPTE. <laughs> See, I forced you to brag about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love doing it. And I, I hope that that carries through here that, that we've, we've built, it's been a grassroots effort all the way along. Yeah. And all of us, all the coaches that work for me, all the PTs that work for me, they're all previous enrollees in the class. And they've, so they've been, they've walked the walk. Now they talk the talk and we, we just want to really help people. That's, that's how we stay in business is by really helping. Now I have an entrepreneur question for you. So sure. when you launched your course and you only had a couple people attend, um, you know, what did you do different than other than just to continue to launch and maybe word of mouth? Was there anything else different that you did to grow your course, you know, from that three people or however many it was to then like 12, what did you do to grow? And what have you done, you know, every single time since then to continue to grow? Right. So good question. The, there's a couple of things. So, so like in, in the Google searches, Google loves longevity. So the longer a website's been alive, the more links there are to it, the, the better it shows up in the rank. So I attribute some of it to that, that as it just, we planted the roots six years ago and as those roots have deepened and grown and more links are out there, that's certainly been extremely helpful. Uh, we started very early and this is something that anyone who's thinking about being an entrepreneur, I, I highly recommend this to start early on gaining an email list using email. Again, before we went on air, we talked about how like even right now, email is probably my, my most, my most profitable referral source, meaning that I've got a lead magnet where people can come and get a study outline for free in exchange for an email address. And then I can cater offers to them that are beneficial, useful, and relevant to what they need. And so, that's been big. And then the third big thing is, is social media. Facebook is just, it's just gold when you, when you are trying to get a target demographic group, people are in PT school heading for that last, that last, uh, last big exam. That's, I don't know, that's, that's been how we grew it is we, we kept sharing good, relevant content on, on social media, sharing content via email, and then just, letting, letting the roots grow, <laughs> grow deep. <laughs> what do you think has been one of your biggest struggles with PT final exam? And that can be, you know, with growth, it can be anything you want to share, but what have been some of your biggest challenges? Ooh, good question. The biggest challenges is, so I tease people about this. When people ask me how my business is going, I always say terrible. And they, they always look at me funny, like I'm looking at me cross-eyed, you know, what, what do you mean? It's going terrible. What I mean is that, you know, I, my boss stinks because he makes me do all the work. <laughs> he takes all the money and he gets after me when anything's wrong. <laughs> so that's, that's the, uh, the curse of the entrepreneur that as, especially the solopreneur, that as you build things and create things, it all waits for you. That, you know, that, that big project, that big textbook you're trying to put together, it all waits for you. And when something goes wrong, then there's really no one to blame but yourself. It's a sad state of affairs when you have no one to blame but yourself. And so that's, I, I guess I, I would say that I've struggled with that over, over these last years as I, um, sometimes I'm disappointed with what I put out. Sometimes I feel like I should be doing more. I feel kind of this internal stress. Mm -hmm. my, wife, my wife will attest that there's kind of this, this entrepreneurial bipolar disorder that I have. So when things are going great, I'm, you know, coming home, high five and everybody, the kids are like, yeah, who give them the high five, knocking them over on the floor as I give them the high five. 
And then other days when, when sales might be a little bit down or we're in a little bit of a lull or whatever, I come home and be like, oh, this is never going to work. This is never, ever. Why? I'm, uh, I started looking for jobs like, oh, maybe I, maybe I should go take a travel contract in Hawaii or something and just get out of this whole business. So I guess I, yeah, so I, that's, that's what I struggle with. You know, I, I, I feel you there. That I feel the same way, you know, with, with my website, you know, Debt Free PT and, and everything. I feel like there, anytime you have a, a little win, it feels super, super good because it's your own win. Like you created that, you did that. But there's so much you have to do. Like people, I think, underestimate all the background that has to go into so many things. I mean, yes, there are a couple people out there where, you know, every word they say is gold or something like that, but, but it's a lot, a lot of behind the scenes and, and a lot of stress. And I think a lot of like internal criticism, like I, I feel like that's, I've, I've literally remade my debt free PT course, I think like four times. I just keep remaking it and remaking it and it's still, I'm still not happy with it. I still don't think it looks good enough. Um, so my question is to you, because you, you have a really successful course. I mean, you've been able to leave your job full and do this now full time. How do you make a course interesting? How do you make it entertaining? How do you, how do you keep people watching the course? Because so many times, and this is like, there's statistics on this. I know that a lot of people make a course and people will buy it and then they'll never, ever take it. And so, or they'll, you know, do 10% and then not come back. So how do you keep people accountable? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I know the answer to that, <laughs> the, but there might be a couple of thoughts that I've, I've discussed. And, you know, you're only on the fourth iteration of your, of your course. I, I can't, I can't even count the number of times I've, I've changed, altered, updated, upgraded, made, made just, yeah, alterations to my course over the course of six years. I mean, it's, it's at least once or twice a year plus tweaks here and there. I mean, it's, I, I was just talking with a guy earlier today about how he believes we should take the word perfect out of the dictionary because it just doesn't exist. I mean, it's, it's an ideal maybe to strive for, but it's, it's impossible. And I, I have not found it yet. Um, so how do you make a course that's engaging if people actually stick to there's it's some of the skills are what we learn as physical therapists. You know, how do you get a patient to do a home exercise program? Well, you know, you tell them and you have to sell to them essentially why this is good for you. Like this is good for you, you know, doing, you know, these pendulum exercises, status posts, you know, rotator cuff repair, doing these Codman pendulum exercises are, it's going to really help you. And if you don't do them, it will be a detriment to you and a wasted opportunity, I guess. And so to get engagement, there's that you have to educate and help them see how it will help them. And so I do that in my course. We talk about, you know, we, we talk success stories, you know, okay, this is our end goal. This is how, this is how it works. This is, this is what we see when people do this. Like this is, you want to be here. This, we're going to give you the steps to get there, pay attention, hang on for the ride. We're going to go through that. The other thing, this is, a, this is a really interesting one is that pricing plays a big part mm-hmm. in how engaged you are. And I, I share this silly story because I, I was riding on a plane. This was a few years ago, back when, remember the magazine Sky Mall? Did we yeah. talk about this? Have we already <laughs> talked about this example? I'll, I'll share it for the listener. Maybe we already have, but in the Sky Mall magazine, I opened it up and honest to goodness, there was an exercise bike for sale. I think it was close to $3,000 for the exercise bike. It was decked out in chrome, had these wheels and pulleys and kind of just imagine the most convoluted, complicated exercise bike you ever saw. 3000 bucks. And it looked at, you know, it looked ridiculous. And then you look down at the bottom and it had all these testimonials about how it absolutely works. They had some statistics that they were purporting that it worked to help you lose weight and feel better and, and have a most, you know, a wonderful life with rainbows and unicorns sort of a thing. And I, I was really puzzled. Like, dude, you can go on the classifieds and buy it for 25 bucks. You can find an extra, you could probably even find one for free on any given yard sale day, just drive by and or talk to your in-laws or someone. There's, there's an exercise bike just to close rack somewhere. You could have a free exercise bike. Why in the world would you spend $3,000 on an exercise bike? And so I pondered on that for a while and I, I think I discovered it. It's that I tried to imagine, suppose I had purchased that. I had it shipped home. I get home. My wife sees the big exercise bike that takes up half the room and just costs us $3,000. 
She's, what is she going to say to me? She's going to say, Will, you better be using that three, thing three times a day. I don't want to <laughs> see that. I, I don't want to see anything ever put on it except for your butt up there pedaling that exercise bike. <laughs> and I discovered that, that, you know, there's a real psychology to that. If, you're, if you drop some serious cheddar on something, you take it seriously. And so then that's, uh, when you're talking about course creation, the, the idea is to, to obviously deliver value and educate them about the value they'll be delivered, but then make the price point such that they actually take it seriously. Because I've done this before. When I, when I first started, I would give away my class a lot. I still give away my class to, to people who have you know, special extenuating circumstances. I still give away a lot of my classes for free. But I found that when I gave people the class, they would stop coming. I thought, this is crazy. I mean, I just, I, I just gave you a $500 bill <laughs> and you're not taking it seriously. And so I, I felt kind of burned about that. It's like, ah, dude, why, why, why is that? But what we gain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. And when it comes to getting engagement in a course, you've, uh, I think price point comes into play too, that it, it's got to there's a balance. It obviously can't be too much, but if it's too little, then the people don't, you know, no one takes it seriously. So you've got to find that sweet spot. Plus you've got other factors to consider, you know, stay profitable, solvent, pay your laborers, your contractors, all that jazz. But that, that's something I've, I've looked a lot in and anyway, it's just interesting thoughts. I don't know. Rambling. No, that's, that's a good, no, you're not rambling. That's a good answer. I agree with you. I mean, all those things I've heard from, from the big guys, you know, Pat Flynn says the same thing. All those, all those people say that, 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 you know, you have to invest in your success. So when you actually pony up the money, you're not going to want that money to go to waste. If you have a free course, it's like, well, it can sit there for forever. I'll come back to it. So, so you're right. I mean, there's pros and cons. I feel like, you know, talking about the pricing with courses because for example, like mine, I have, you know, my travel mentorship program and that's hundred percent free. And so it, but I see where you're coming from because ironically, a lot of people, when they sign up for my travel mentorship program, I, I do a phone call as well, but they all do the phone call, but maybe about 10 to 15% actually do the course. So interesting. So it's, you know, it, comparison it there. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I, when you came on the podcast, I tried to really hit, you know, make, make sure to sign up for Emma's class right away because she's going to start charging a thousand dollars right away. So hopefully we get a big influx of people who go in and take it seriously yeah. and really take advantage of, of the good information you have because oh. it's, it's a disservice to them if they never, if they never get it. And so using the tools available to help, help get that information into their brain for, you know, to, to help with their, their career help with the test, help with anything. That's, that's really important. Well, I promised listeners that you would share a couple tips or techniques for passing the PT exam. Can you give a couple? Uh, so number one, answer all the questions correctly. <laughs> and number two, don't answer any of them incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> that's cheating. <laughs> there you go. It's, it's like, you know, how do, you, how do you win any basketball game? We just score more points than the other guy. Right? <laughs> you win every single game, you do that. Um, yeah, so when it comes to, to passing the NPT, uh, there's a lot of different tips and tricks. I, I tell people that, oh, where do you even start there? It's, it's like picking a favorite child. What's your favorite tip or trick? Um, probably one of, my, one of my favorites is to study smarter, not necessarily harder. So this is back to the psychology of, of studying. And maybe I don't want to get too much into the weeds on the psychology of studying, but as, as humans, we tend to avoid things we hate. And maybe you've seen that. Maybe this doesn't happen to you as an entrepreneur, but it happens to me as an entrepreneur when there's a task that I don't find particularly tasteful or something that's just very mundane and it's going to take a long time. I find myself avoiding it just because it's not as much fun as, you know, getting onto a podcast or running a live webinar or doing whatever. So we tend to avoid the things we hate. So if you hate studying, if you hate your study process, you will avoid it at all uh, every moment possible. So a good example would be this. I get people email me all the time. It's like, Will, I failed my last attempt. I spent, but it's not because I didn't put in the time. I spent 12 hours a day in the library studying for three months. And I, I think about that experience and I try to envision, you know, I've, I've never done that because it sounds so terrible <laughs> to lock yourself into the library with no job, 
I mean, so you don't take any occupation. You just, you're focusing your, your full-time job is, is your study. A lot of people use that term. My full-time job is my studying, but they, so they lock themselves in the library. They knuckle down and they tell themselves that they're putting in the time, which should translate into results. I found that is not the case that time doesn't necessarily result or come result in results <laughs> redundant, but, uh, but the quality of the study makes such a difference. So I, I tell people, when you sit down to study, sit down with a purpose or an objective in mind. What are you going to learn today? What is your, or I, I love to use the term master. What topic are you going to master as you sit down? And if you use that terminology, suddenly, I mean, I think you and I can, can envision this now. Okay, you've got one day to master range of motion during the gate cycle. If that was your task, you'd go to the library and be like, man, I, I've got to do this. And so I'd create the flashcards. I'd look at it. I'd quiz myself seven times. And before you know it, you would be a master at that, at that chunk of material. And so I tell people to, to sit in or to go into the, into the study session with a target of material in mind rather than a, a clock to punch, rather than a 12 mm-hmm. or 18 hour clock to punch. And you st- obviously, it still does require time, but but the idea is that as you master concepts, you don't have to spend these inordinate amounts of time because the 12-hour study session turns into, oh, well, I got to check my phone or, oh, I, I need to call my mom now. I'm going to take a break and, I, I, oh, I got to check this, this cat video that someone just posted or whatever. Because you hate it, you tend to avoid really knuckling down and doing it. Mm-hmm. So I tell people, limit the distractions, get rid of the distractions and just really sit down so that imagine this, and maybe this is too much of a nightmare, but I have people imagine that I call them right after their study session. I say, hey, what did you just learn? And if you can't say it in your own words without your notes in front of you, you haven't mastered it. And so if, if you go into the study with that mindset, the content sticks better. You'll also discover that you actually like physical therapy, that you like the content. That's why you went to school for three years and that you probably know more about it than you, you give yourself credit for. And you can, I don't know, it's studying smarter rather than just harder is, is a huge one. And then uh, maybe the second best, of, everyone knows this one, is to take practice tests, but take practice questions in a test environment. Because hmm. this is, I did this, and I think everyone has this temptation that as they, they sit down to take a practice test, practice questions, they'll look at the question and be like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, which of the following is the most appropriate, whatever next step. And you look at the options and you'll say to yourself, well, it's, it's probably A, but it could be B. Let me just quick check the answer. So they check the answer and it's like, oh, it was B. It was totally B. I would have put B. And so you kind of trick yourself into having committed and actually know that content when you don't, you don't really. And so there's a visceral reaction when you commit to an answer and find out you're wrong. Like, oh man. <laughs> and we tend to remember things that have emotional emotion connected to them. Like, and I tell another silly story and I hope, indulge me on my silly stories here. But when I was in, in PT school, I, I was, I had this preceptor. It was, it was kind of an inter- interesting work study relationship. And I had uh, this, so kind of a preceptor that was, I, I was the aid for essentially as a PT student. And so she asked me to set up a interferential current on a person who had low back pain. And I was to get the bolster ready, have them in a supine hook lying position. And so I got, got the pads ready. I got I got the electrodes ready. I got the Easton machine. I got the hot pack. I got everything ready. And I, I get it in. Patient's comfortable. And I reach over and I, I click on the Easton machine and nothing happens. So I click it like three or four times. Like, shoot, what's going on? What is going on? What is going on? And she leans over. And she, if, if you knew this person, you'd, you, you'd see the reaction to me. <laughs> what happened is that she leaned over and said, Will, you might try plugging the thing in. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. And so there it was. Yeah, there was the cord. It wasn't plugged in. So I reached down and I plugged it in and suddenly it worked marvelously. Well, now you can ask me, you know, how many times have I forgotten to plug in the Easton machine since that one experience? And the answer is never because I have this kind of visceral, emotional response, you know, memory of, okay, I've got to always plug in the machine. If nothing else, I'm going to plug in that machine and we'll be ready. It's a silly example, but, but when you commit to answers, it creates this emotional response when you see, oh, I got that one wrong. And that helps you remember it down the road. There, there's, there are strong connections between our emotions and our memories. And it's just another way to kind of hack into the studying and get things to stick. 
I like that example that, and you know what, by you telling that example, it made me understand, you know, your, your answer to the question even more. So having these stories and these visceral reactions is you're exactly right. I I remember um, every single bad thing I've done or, you know, silly thing or something I should have done differently that sticks in my brain for forever. Right. Right. When you make a mistake or you have a bad breakup or whatever, it sticks with you. You're like, Oh man, if only, and the things you do, right. We tend to not, and this is, this is human nature too. We tend to not think about the things we do right on a regular basis. We're focused on kind of hyper-focused on our, on our faults and our shortcomings, which that's a whole other discussion about positive thinking. And, and that plays into exam preparation too. That If you go into the exam telling yourself you know, how bad you are, it's like, oh, you are the worst at this. It, it turns into a negative feedback cycle where you, you perform poorly on the test, which then makes you further criticize yourself and you go down and down and down. So I try to tell people, you know, positivity. You get in there, remind yourself that you're actually really good at this and you're just going to prove it on the test. Positive attitudes hopefully turns into a positive feedback loop where you have positive attitude, which helps you read the question better, which makes you feel better about the next question and, and go onward and upward rather than being self-critical. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm by, by all means not an expert, but you know, this podcast, this episode is a little bit more geared to helping people pass the exam as well as to highlight you know, different tools and techniques that they can do to pass the exam um, and you know, your entrepreneurial journey. But you know, for me, the two biggest things that I always tell people is pacing. That's super important because I remember sitting, taking the test, and I think I had about like three or four questions left and like time was ticking. So I really fast without even reading them, quickly had to answer them. And I remember looking around and like people were doing the same thing and the people that didn't pass the exam, they didn't pace. And so they ended up having, you know, they were doing really good for those initial questions. But then when it came time to the end, as you neared the end of the test, they had so many questions that they couldn't fill out. And that's what sort of did them in. And then I think my other advice is, and this is what's always gotten me A's throughout PT school and even throughout my whole career, is I love a dry erase board. You can see this one behind me. I take it with me (laughs) everywhere. But I would literally sit in my room and I'd have the dry erase board. And so active learning is where I'm going with this. And so I'd, I'd read or I'd read like a statement or, you know, like this muscle attaches to this. And so I would read it, you know, visually read it. And then I would write down, you know, um, rhomboids and, you know, attaches here and here. And I'd write it down and then I'd cover it up. And then I'd like close my eyes or look away and be like, rhomboids, blah, blah, blah. And so it was a great way for me to sort of see, hear and talk about everything. And it just ingrained it so much faster to me and um, helped me pass a lot of my, ex- a lot of my exams. Oh, you sing to my soul. Oh, you sing to my soul. I owe oh, the stories. I sh- I'll just, I'll talk about an email I had not too long ago of someone who, who failed the exam and said, well, I read physical rehabilitation by O'Sullivan. I read it cover to cover and I still failed the exam. Will, what's wrong? What's wrong? And you, you hit it spot on. Statistically speaking, we only remember 10% of what we see. We remember about 30% of what we see in here. So that's where lectures come in. And that's nice. But we remember 90% of what we see, hear, and teach or talk out in your mm-hmm. own words where you've synthesized the content and spit it out. And find that that's a good advice to anyone. Find a willing victim or talk to your phone or whatever it is, rewrite it on, the, on, a, on a whiteboard, but find a way to spit it out in your own words without looking at your notes, 90% retention. Yep, exactly. Active learning. Um, well, let's, let's turn the tables here now that everyone is going to pass the PT exam. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they won't need me because uh, we've given all the tips. and it's Oh, no. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about your new podcast and your journey to starting a podcast. Right. So I've, I've known for a while that I wanted to start a podcast. I, was, I struggled with what the subject matter should be in a podcast. Like, you know, an NPT podcast, that could help with the hearing aspect to hear the content. There's a couple of people out there trying to do that. And there's just so much. It's like trying to put three years of content into, mm-hmm. into a podcast format, which is possible, but it's, we tend to avoid the things we don't like doing. And so just these long, long drawn out projects. Anyway, so uh, about a month ago, a month ago or mo- two months ago is really when, when it started. I I was, I was thinking about, you know, ways to branch out. I, I build a relationship with all these, these students as they come through the NPTE. But then once they're through the exam, 
they they're they're done and gone and you know frankly that relationship i've built with them is in the past and very much in the past and it's certainly no fault of theirs and certainly no fault of mine it's just kind of the the relationship comes to a necessary end at that point and what i wanted to do is find a way to keep them engaged keep people engaged people who know me and and i've i've talked with and been a part of our community keep helping them along the way and so that's when I was listening to a podcast about, about docs outside the box. My, my brother's a physician and he listens to a podcast for physicians. And I, he, he turned me on to one of the episodes and, and one of them was about docs outside the box, just non-traditional ways to practice as a physician. And, and we talk about non-traditional ways all the time because that's what I do. I'm a fairly non-traditional physical therapist in that sense that I've got the online business. I still do some clinic work, but it's all PRN. Anyway, so I thought, well, you know, why not? Why not start talking about PTs outside the box? That's something that I'm relatively familiar with. And there's probably a few people out there, that, a few people. That, that was the funny part. I thought that, oh, well, there'll be a few episodes. And as soon as I got hooked up with, I started kind of creating the idea and the framework. And then I, I reached out to a few people. One of them is Meredith Kasten. She was in episode three of our PT Outside the Box podcast. And she opened my eyes to the broad world of non-traditional physical therapy. And when I say non-traditional, it doesn't mean you're non-clinical necessarily. She focuses a lot on the non-clinical. There are those who are in part-time work, those in, in travel positions. That's something that you and I talked about in our episode together about travel positions and, and paying off loans, all of the, the different ways to, to crumble the cookie, if you will, <laughs> how the cookie crumbles. But I, I could not, I really, and I still am pinching myself that I could not believe how wide of a career field we actually are a part of. And so many of us get kind of pigeonholed into this idea, okay, I'm going to work at, you know, some corporate clinic doing the same thing for the next 35 years. And that just doesn't appeal to a lot of people to sit there. I mean, it's, it takes a toll on your body and it's just not, not always a really good fit. And so the goal of, so the, the podcast is called PT Outside the Box. The goal being to, to kind of elucidate and talk about the different career paths that are out there. Not necessarily one is better than the other, but just to, to give people permission to dream a little about what would their ideal career be. And part of that is, is looking at the menu of, okay, well, you know, I could be a writer over here, go totally non-clinical, or I could work into administration. Like I, I interviewed uh, a former boss of mine, he's a PT who's now a CEO of a hospital running a, a mid-sized operation using his skill set of dealing with people, uh, being essentially a salesman to his patients, you know, where you, you, get, you educate people, you, you sell them on the idea of what they need and taking that to a broader level. Entrepreneurs, uh, much like yourself, who, who delve into the world of entrepreneurial ventures, either online or in physical products. I mean, there's just so much out there and that's what PT Outside the Box, we're already, like, I've already recorded 17 or 18 episodes with, I had, I talked to the guy I was talking to earlier today, he's like, oh, Will, I've got 50 people for you to, to I, <laughs> seriously, I've got 50 people you need to meet. And it just, it blows my mind what's out there. And it's been so much fun to, to just connect with people. It's, it's been way fun. Well, I think it's just one of the funnest things uh, about this and hearing from you and hearing from Meredith and everyone else and getting to meet people like you is that same thing that, you know, in school, we, you know, physical therapy, occupational therapy, all these, you know, career paths, they see, seem very square, very concrete. And then you just venture outside a little bit and you realize that, that, you know, being a PT or being an OT, that's not the only thing. You can use your tools and become a health coach. You can use your tools and become a personal trainer. You can use your tools and do administration. You can do consulting like today. Um, but I think you don't realize it until you start hearing other people do it is where I'm going. Because like before, I never thought about being an entrepreneur or anything. And then I sort of started doing my mentorship programs and talking about student loans. But once you click that switch, then it, it's almost like you feel like a, uh, an increased confidence and you see the potential that you have for so many opportunities when you hear about that people are running their own blogging business or that they're starting their own um, telehealth company. And, and there's so many opportunities you have. At the where I work, they just installed something called the Get Well Network. And it's a computer system that is hooked into the TVs. So um, 
before they can watch TV, they have to watch my home exercise program. And I don't know how it's going to work out. <laughs> I see revolt happening um, <laughs> at the skilled nursing <laughs> I work at. But, you know, they, they didn't they they didn't know um, anterior and posterior hip precautions and all these other things that I wanted in the system. And, and I was like, in my head, I'm going, ding, I could have been a consultant for them, or I could be a consultant for them. So where I'm going is that, you know, Will, you've hit on something where there, and for people listening, anything you want to do is possible. And, and, you know, it's great to have role models, though, where you can copy it. Someone who's already become a CEO, listen to that and learn how you can duplicate that to make your journey easier and also to inspire you to actually take that leap. Absolutely. Yeah. That is yeah. that is so true. And I, I really believe that opportunities in life are that there's was I was talking who was I talking with recently about luck. You know, the question is, is there really luck in our life or is it just when all of our preparation meets an opportunity? And some people would call that luck, you know, serendipitous or serendipity that kind of brings things together. But I, I really truly believe that as we, as we work to improve our skills and our preparation, and especially having, this is back to Stephen R. Covey, begin with the end in mind. You know, where is it you want to work towards as you improve your skill set and work towards that target, it's amazing how the opportunities will come. That when the when the opportunity knocks, you'll be ready to take it. And so I guess we're we're going back all the way to the very beginning where we start with the end in mind. If you don't know what your end looks like, mm-hmm. then it makes it hard to look for those opportunities. But you exactly. you hit on that. I an, an inspiring story I just talked to, and a lot of people are familiar with Jimmy McKay, who runs the PT Pintcast a really successful podcast and talking to him, he had a skill set in communication and he went out and created his own job. Like he spoke the PT language. He's a physical therapist. He spoke the PT language, but he also had a background in communications. And so he went to a, a corporate corporate, a corporation that was having troubles, just like what you described. They, they had a, maybe a good system in place, but didn't speak the language. And he bridged the gap and created his, created his own career. And that's, for me, so inspiring that we can be so outside the box. Like we, even all the things that I talk about, you don't even have to replicate exactly what it is. There's just to see that you could take your skill set and move it beyond just the nine to five punch the clock clinic. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with the clinic. Don't get me wrong. You know, yeah. treating patients is a lot of fun, but sometimes people really feel the squeeze of increasing documentation standards, increasing patient loads with, with without the increased compensation. I mean, a lot of PTs are coming out of, of PT school and, and they're, they're not, I mean, they have a doctorate level education. They're taking a $50,000 a year job and you got to be asking yourself, you know, what, what else is there? What could they do? And that's, that's what I hope is inspiring to people that there's, you, you got to cut your teeth, you got to do your time and you work upwards, but, but always be thinking where you are moving towards, go towards something. Cause what is it? I think it's Dave Ramsey who points out, you know, if you, if you, if you don't, or what is it? Something about when you aim for the stars, you might make it a little ways uphill or whatever. But if you just aim at the ground, you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. Sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I think, I think I. PT outside the box has come at an opportune time as well because burnout is, the, the topic of burnout is becoming so prevalent. And I know we've discussed this before and, and people are looking for ways that they can earn more or for ways that they can they can pursue something that is different and that's going to free them from their burnout, but yet they don't have to get a whole new uh, degree for that they can transition. And so there are so many things out there that you can do that you can transition without having to basically start over and without having to like add to your student debt. So I'm looking forward to, I, I sneaked and I saw a couple episodes, so I'm looking forward to listening to all of them when they officially launch. Right, um, right. So one last question, what is some, what's like a top piece of advice you would give to aspiring entrepreneurs? <sighs> top piece, the one that hits me all the time and hope, I think this will be just one. Maybe there'll be a couple that come out of the top piece. The thing that hits me all the time is, Will, why didn't you just start PT final exam like a year earlier? 
Or why didn't you start it two years earlier? Why didn't you start it the first day you got into PT school? Why didn't you just, why didn't you just do it? Why did you sit and think about it for so long? And why, why don't you just go ahead and take a first step? It doesn't, I mean, I, my wife teases me about this all the time. It's like, it will, because I have seven or eight great ideas before breakfast every morning. And all of them turn out to be, you know, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them turn out to be just total flops. And so mm-hmm. I, uh, I tell people that I fail fast, but you have to be out and doing and moving to fail fast and see what sticks, see what is actually working. And I mean, I guess just, uh, what do they call it? Just by brute force, I, you have enough ideas. One of them is bound to work out. I guess start, just start, start, start. Whatever it is you're thinking about doing, just start doing it. And, or talk to someone who's already done it. You know, reach out to someone, have a, have a phone call, take, take them, I don't know, take them out to dinner or something. Sit down and talk to someone who has done it or just start doing what it is you'd like to try to do or write about or think about. I mean, we get into analysis paralysis where we tend to do nothing because we tell ourselves, oh, well, you know, it'll, it, I don't think it'll really work or, you know, it, it might not work or I don't know. We get into our heads a little bit. Just, just take a first step. That's my biggest advice. And Will, where can people go if they want to find PT Final Exam and PT Outside the Box? All right. So ptfinalexam.com. That's where we house all of the NPT prep stuff. You can sign up for a newsletter there, get the free study guides. You know, if you're interested in the NPT, we, we have a ton of fun doing that. Those of you who are past the NPT, those of you who, are, who are, are looking for the menu, so to speak, of what's out there in the world of physical therapy that you can use with your skill set, ptoutsidethebox.com. That's our website. We're just going through kind of a soft launch right now, hopefully having a harder launch once we get into probably the 1st of December. Um, I don't know when the show is going to go live, probably sometime soon, but we'll head over there. You can hit uh, contact on either one of those and that'll come straight to me. Otherwise, you can reach out to me on Facebook. Probably the easiest way is, I mean, you just search for PT Final Exam or PT Outside the Box. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Both of those will come directly to me as well. So that's, that's how they can find me. And I'm always happy to chat. I love, I love talking. If maybe someone's got an inspiring story or wants to talk about something, they can come on the podcast too. And we'll have, we'll have a ton of fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Will, for being on the pod, on the podcast here. And I look forward to listening to your future podcast soon. And all this will be in the show notes at debtfreept.com slash podcast. Thanks, Will. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Therapist on Fire podcast. You can get the show notes to every episode as well as any freebies or bonuses mentioned by visiting debtfreept.com slash podcast. Debt Free PT provides amazing free mentorship programs and resources on travel therapy, debt management, and alternative careers. At debtfreept.com, you can also find many discounts and bonus rewards. Check it out today.